Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I'm here with Johnny Crowder, the founder and CEO at Cope Notes. How are you today? Howdy. I'm pumped up. I just got a haircut, so I'm feeling fresh. Um, every day is a haircut for me, uh, since I'm bald. So, uh, <laughs> this is the best start to an interview ever. Yeah, absolutely. And this is for, for everyone listening. Um, we're both in the, the Tampa area. So this is, uh, uh, it's always nice to, to talk with local entrepreneurs. Um, I feel like that's going to be a more common thing. It seems like this ecosystem is continuing to really branch out, especially in the healthcare space. Mm. Uh, so, uh, look forward to having more of these conversations, but, Super excited to have you on today. I'd love if we kick things off. You could tell the audience a little bit about your background and then we'll dive into Cope Notes. Yeah, my my background is colorful. So I am just as surprised as anyone else that I am the CEO of a tech startup. So I came from the psychology world. Um, I grew up in an abusive household with multiple diagnoses. Um, I'm a suicide survivor. So I've definitely been like in and out of treatment for years. And I went to school for psych because I needed to understand what the heck was going on inside of my brain. Um, but I never really had a bend towards tech. I just had a bend towards efficiency. So I got involved with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, in 2011, started doing peer support and public advocacy. But I was frustrated with how inefficient peer support was. Like I had to travel to places and be in person. I was just like, how can we scale this? It's the, the best companies are started based on personal experiences. So, I mean, that was going to be my next question I asked you, which mm -hmm. I guess we'll just tie in from there is I always focus on three key things with companies and, and guests, the why, how, what of their companies. So can you go through, um, I guess that's just kind of following up what you just kind of said, because your personal experience really is your why, but I, mm -hmm. I'd maybe talk a little bit more about that. Uh, we'd love to hear how the platform current, like how your, your software currently works. And then, um, in a quick description, what exactly it does. So I will start with the why, expanding a little bit more on that. Truthfully, I've tried almost every single mental health resource out there. I've tried all the ones that I've found. Um, and I just took, I'm, I'm a very detail oriented and sometimes very critical person whenever I used whenever I used a tool I would think oh I can't believe they did that or how come they don't offer this feature um, in part because I was hurting and frustrated um, but in part because I really cared about getting better and I would use tools that weren't really consistent enough or easy enough to use um, so the why is definitely my lived experience I I always tell people that my how much it hurts and is frustrating to run a company pales in comparison to how much it hurts and is frustrating to actually feel um, depression and anxiety and even battle with schizophrenia and bipolar and OCD on a regular basis. So that pain is definitely my why. I'm acutely aware of that. Um, and I, I have to go to the what before I go to the how. So what Coke Notes is, um, is actually what Coke Notes is, is basically our how. So we provide daily mental health support via text message. And what we're doing is using text messages written by peers with lived experience. And they might be exercises or psychology facts or journaling prompts that are written by peers and reviewed by clinicians and then delivered at random times to surprise the brain into thinking healthier patterns over time. So think like neuroscience meets peer support meets prevention and intervention. 
It's really cool that you took the text message approach too. Um, but I remember I, I, at one point I signed up for this thing that was just like motivational quotes where you'd get like a text message every day. I think I signed up for like, um, which, which was cool. I don't know why I stopped getting them. I don't think I ever opted out of it, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was like, and then there was also an app, but the text message was definitely more helpful than the app because like, am I going to go download an app just to receive like a positive thing versus, you know, text messages, by the way, the best per the way to reach anyone now, emails, horrible mm -hmm. newsletters don't work as, as much as they used to. Um, it's the only way where you can actively get in front of someone. Um, I also like podcasts, right? Because podcasts yeah. are also on their phone already, but, um, yeah. So, so what, what I want to go through is quickly why SMS over an app. And then there's a couple other things you and I wanted to go through today, but let's start with that. Well, I, I can't take full credit for, for deciding that SMS was the way to go over apps. Originally, when I was um, workshopping this idea, I met with a bunch of different people. I'd So I've been volunteering in the mental health space for like a decade. So I met, fortunately, a lot of really intelligent people who have built amazing tools. And I went around workshopping my original idea for Cope Notes, which was actually called Not a Therapist, was the beta version. I ran that for about a year. And um, I was telling him, I want to do a digital su peer support tool. And this is what I'm thinking. And the health equity component started coming up a lot. Um, this idea that, you know, of course, like you mentioned, text is just a way more effective way of communicating with people. Like it even says in our brochure, it's not just teens who prefer texting. 97% um, of American adults prefer texting to any other communication medium. So right there you have preference across demographic, but then you also have the engagement rate of SMS is literally 25 times that of Android notifications and 50 times the engagement of iOS app notifications. So it is like an order of magnitude more effective in reaching people. But the health equity component was what tipped the scale for me when I was doing research around just basic um, digital mental health resource and what's out there, what people are using. I read that 36 million Americans, around 11% of the population, actually rely on non-smart cellular devices, which means that if you create a mental health app and it's the best mental health app in the world, but 36 million people can't use it in, in our country alone, it's not that great. It became a health equity component. If we say, oh, you can use our mental health app, but only if you have a shiny new iPhone, what does that mean for underserved populations who can't download apps in the first place? Yeah, not always the case, but someone with an i and a new iPhone or a new Android may not have, you know, as much like maybe bad things going on. Because in order to have, <laughs> not saying you can't have, yeah. you know, mental health like you know, um, either you know some sort of issue or just like you're not feeling great. If you have a new iPhone, like all your problems are gone. <laughs> but in many cases, right, if you're able to afford that. Um, maybe you have, you could have less problems than someone who can't even like, can't have one of those today. Cause that's almost, it almost seems like uh, an, an iPhone or an Android is like a rite of passage today. So if someone doesn't have that, um, they might be going through some, some other stuff of the, their own. So you're able to reach them now, especially when you talk about these companies and having, uh, global capabilities. Um, I'm sure that's, that even gets a lot 
uh, now you're, you're not just, um, you know, millions of people, you might be even approaching, um, I I don't know what the exact stat is, so I'm not going to speak on it, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure you maybe know better than I do. Um, there, there probably, there's a lot of people that don't have smartphones in other parts of the world that just have have two and a half billion people. rely on non-smart cellular devices. So it's a third of the world's population that are quote competitors. I don't like that word, but other digital behavioral health providers in our space can't serve them and we can't. So we have, we have users in 94 countries around the world right now that are all using SMS. Congratulations. Yeah, that's, uh, and I think obviously it's a, a testament to what you built, but also that approach of of SMS over an app has clearly mm-hmm. worked out for you and will continue to work. Um, and I think it, what's cool too is um, I think it's a lot harder to, to go from like, you, you took a strategy where you can really build out like some good workflows. You can really get, you can get in front of everyone. Your, your uh, ability to get a new uh, person that you're helping is much easier than probably many of these apps that mm-hmm. now you, there's an extra barrier to entry, right? Like you need to actually get these people to sign up, go through it. Um, so I, I like your approach a lot. Can, can we talk a little bit, cause this is a, we were talking about a problem earlier, how uh, asking someone to engage in care is a barrier to care. Can you elaborate on that, that thing that you and I were discussing earlier? Yeah, it, you know, people who don't have lived experience, it's kind of harder for them to picture. But I know as someone who has engaged with multiple levels of care, that if someone says, hey, I have this great um, app that I want you to download that's going to help you with your mental health. So first, I have to go to the app store and download it. But then I'm sharing my personal data with the creators of the app. And then maybe the, the app store, Google play store now knows that I downloaded the app and might be able to share that with advertisers. So maybe I get a little paranoid or, or weary about that, but then I download it and I say, you know what, they can have my data. I want to use this. And then I open it up and it says, well, give me your full name. And I'm like, excuse me. I have to get, okay. So maybe I just type in my first name because I want to put my last name. I'll just put Johnny. And then it says, give me your age, ethnicity. And I'm like, oh, geez, this is already more information than I was really trying to give. And then you get to another page and it says, oh, here's a questionnaire where you can tell us about everything in your life that's going kind of sideways and things you need help with. And then I've done this before. I'm telling the truth. I have taken an app off my phone once it asked me for more information after that because I was so overwhelmed. People don't understand how much effort it takes to choose to engage in care in the first place. And the way I describe it to people who aren't living with lived experience is this. Imagine you have a broken ankle. That's painful. You're in a lot of pain. Maybe maybe your mental faculties are, you know, you're thinking so much about the pain that you're not thinking super clearly you're really frustrated, you're hurt, and someone walks up to you and says, hey, there is an amazing hospital that can heal that for you. You'll be right as rain. And you say, where is it? And they say, it's just at the top of Mount Everest. If you can hike your way up there, they'll help you. And the problem is our entire mental health care system is built on that. We say to friends, if you're struggling, reach out. What? If when I'm in the middle of my struggle, the onus is on me to muster up the ability to reach out to somebody, the hurt is what makes it hard to reach out. So I'm, I'm such a fan of prevention and intervention and being proactive, like cope notes, texts, people, 
it's not like if they don't text us back for a day, we go, you know what? Well, they didn't text us. We're not going to text them. Or they didn't make the conscious decision to engage. We have to be there every day for people because when times get tough, you don't often wake up thinking, what can I do to help myself today? Sometimes it just hurts. What I like too about that approach is, I don't know if you're a, a fan of uh, Simon uh, Sinek. Or I always mess his last name up, but he talks about what some people will do, right? Because getting a message from someone, it's like, it's like getting something from like Amazon or one of, it, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like someone's checking in on you. Like, mm -hmm. um, even if it, it, it just, it, it's nice to have that. So what will some people do, right? They'll, they'll send a message and say, Hey, 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 and they'll send it out to 10 people hoping that they get a message back, even though they ended up doing it. And that's a, that's a horrible approach. You're <laughs> taking the approach of, like you just said, people don't want to reach out. We'll reach out to them. They'll get that feeling of mm -hmm. like someone cares enough to, to touch base. And, and that's oh, yeah. how that interaction starts. So yeah, that's a great approach. Especially that it's not a chat bot. Like all of our messages are written by real humans. And I think if, it, if you got a message from a chat bot, you'd be like, well, a real person didn't even write this, but these are messages written by peers, like people who understand. And that, that just hits different. Yeah, because sometimes chatbots too will, will mess things up. Um, you know, like, how are you today? Like, not good. That's great. Like, that yeah. wouldn't make any sense, right? For, for a human to say. Um, and I've had chatbots that say that stuff, you know, that stuff mm -hmm. to me all the time. Now, I know that you can put different layers of complex, you know, complexity on top of it where it's, uh, it's more intuitive and it trains itself over time. But um, I like that you have the human touch. Um, as we wrap up here, uh, Johnny, I'd love to hear kind of through your lens, what's next for the company? We're really doing a lot more work with larger groups and organizations. Because when Copenhagen started out, it was all B2C, like individual people signing themselves up and maybe buying like a gift subscription for a friend or family member or something. But now what we've focused on over the last year or two and what we're going to continue building into is more integrations into like benefits programs and EAPs and healthcare systems and payers and insurance organizations. We're doing a lot more government work right now. So we're working with agencies and then county and city governments and soon some state governments. We're just really realizing that we have a peer support tool that can scale infinitely. So every day that we're not doing that, we are burning potential. So in our minds, it's not a matter of us going out, like running Facebook ads and telling people what Cope Notes is about. It's partnering with those community institutions that they already rely on, their YMCA or DCF, or even their employer, their insurance company, and being something for those larger organizations to hand them to say, if you need a mental health resource, we got one for you right here, low touch, high impact, give it a shot. Well, Johnny, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast today. Hopefully we'll be able to have you on again in the near future, but wish you the best of luck and we'll have to link up at some point since we're both in the, the same area. Heck yeah, we'll go on a bike ride, dude. I love it. Uh, something I've been wanting to do more of since I moved down. Everyone has a bike down here, so I, I need to do more <laughs> of that. Uh, Let's go. But uh, cool. Well, uh, great chatting with you and uh, wish you all the best and we'll, we'll have you on again real soon. Absolutely, brother. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to 
check out more of our podcasts. We're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, You can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.